Welcome to the Real Driving Man podcast, the first podcast of 2024, and the first podcast in actually a decent minute. Um, and this is going to be the first official, I'm just going to call it a bipolar episode, because I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> um, and in this episode, I'm going to be trying to stick specifically to talking about something related to mental health. Uh, I got a new curtain, and I'm experimenting with lighting. Uh, so this is probably going to change, and if the lighting's off, I'm working on it. Um, but hopefully this will make the background a little less confusing. Um, and we're looking forward to kind of trying to be more consistent and um, on topic with the podcast. So um, here we go. So today, um, I said in the past I was going to talk about, I was going to try to answer the question, how do you explain what it's like to have bipolar to someone who doesn't have it? And I think, I don't want to box myself in a corner and just always try to answer that question in the episode. That's kind of maybe an overarching question. I just really kind of want to talk about mental health. Um, and before I begin, I want to really heavily emphasize that I am not a doctor in any sense, not even remotely like do not take what i'm saying as advice of what to do this is my own experience and if you are intrigued by what i'm saying um i wouldn't you know encourage you to explore it in safe avenues uh especially given today's topic is uh i'm gonna talk about psychedelics i've talked about a lot it a lot in previous podcasts but i'm really gonna try to relate it to mental health. And I want to open with, I did listen to, I think it was Huberman's, I know it was Huberman's podcast on psychedelics. It may have been about in the one with bipolar. I'm not sure. Um, but it's one of his podcasts. He talks about how one reason that people with bipolar, if you increase serotonin or dopamine, you increase the likelihood of mania. And so it's the problem with using psychedelics is because psychedelics tend to increase serotonin and can make people manic. And I want to open, I don't know the science behind it. I'm not claiming to know the science behind it. And I am really emphasizing this because there is a lot of dangers if you do have a illness that has a propensity psychosis. like bipolar, or if you have something like a schizophrenia, like a sch like schizophrenia. So I don't want to advocate for people with severe mental illnesses to do psychedelics because, like I said, I'm not a doctor, and there are real dangers there that I want to acknowledge. And I'm probably not even – I may not even be nailing the exact science of that, and I'm owning that. I'm not a – not a scientist officially. Um I'm a computer scientist, and it's a degree, and does that make you a scientist? Whatever. I don't know. But my point is is that there are people who are more qualified, and your doctor, your psychiatrist, for all the actual information on what to do, please refer to them. These are just my own experiences. Um, I guess to getting to the psychedelics. Psychedelics are very interesting because I have a feeling um, but has kind of been backed by uh, stuff like Brian Morescu's work and the immortality key that psychedelics have always traditionally been intertwined with religion. 
um, for good reason. They're like magic drugs, and we don't really know what happens when you go on them. Um, so they can feel very religious. I think a lot of, you know, I was a college student, and that's how I got into them when I was in college. I think I was just doing them because I just wanted to try different types of drugs, if I'm being honest. I wasn't like, well, I'm going to do psychedelics and have a spiritual awakening. No, it was just on my list of shit I wanted to try because I was 20 and wanted to try drugs. It was that simple. But the way that I think psychedelics could be a lot more, and I want as psychedelics become more and more prevalent, there needs to be a culture behind them. And that culture currently involves a lot of science, which is great because you can do things safely, you can measure, you can understand, you can learn. But I think if they're ever going to be truly, I don't want to maybe reintroduced in society, I think it's going to come along the lines of religion, and I don't know how that looks. Um, I've done, and for psychedelics, I should say that I've had experience with uh, many experiences with uh, psilocybin mushrooms. Um, s several LSD trips, several DMT trips, and one Molly experience. And they were, I don't want to say all fantastic, because some were horrifying, and I'm going to get into it, but I guess where to start with psychedelics. Um, I think, I already acknowledge there are a lot of dangers f for people with mental illness using psychedelics. That being said, there are a lot of treatments like ketamine, which are cu currently pushed for a treatment for depression. I've never done ketamine. Um, I've heard good results. And... God, how do I want to proceed from here? Here's a good starting point. So I was raised Catholic. Um, I'm not anymore. And after I left the church when I was 19, I kind of was like, yeah, that shit doesn't exist. God doesn't exist. There's no greater power. It's all defined by science. And I'm not saying I don't believe that anymore. But after I did psychedelics, I'm like, I have no idea what's out there. There's stuff that is greater than me that I don't understand. And I think that's really much an appropriate response for someone who's gone through a psychedelic trip. It is indescribable, and it's not like, it's not like getting drunk or getting high or smoking weed. I mean, people have different experiences. Some people react badly. Um, some people don't like it. But it's kind of... You feel good across the board. There's general similarities across various people's experiences with those drugs. But with psychedelics, everyone's experience is very different. So you can't really be like, well, it's going to be like this for this person, this, this, this person. And like I said, I don't know the science behind what's happening in your brain. And I think they're still figuring that out as we speak. But psychedelics were always a drug that I didn't really take with very s much seriousness until I did it, until I had my first psychedelic experience was, um, actually, it was February 2nd, 2020, 2020, so almost four years ago now, and it was in my dad's truck outside Eldora Ski Resort, 
um, or ski park or ski area uh, with a couple of friends of mine. And it was crazy. At first, you know, you take them and it's this, you know, everything's kind of fuzzy. It's like, oh, oh my God, something's going to happen. And it was great. I was having fun with my friends. And as I've said before, uh, I kind of went back to my truck and kind of passed out in the back um, after just some scrambling. And I remember that I saw my friends who were with me at the time in this was like a vision, but I couldn't really tell the difference at the time take me out of the truck and they were actually loading my grandfather's shotgun. It was side by side. And they were going to kill me. Like, well, isn't psychedelics? Yeah. I don't know if this is just me being fucked up in the head or what, but that's what happened and it wasn't like they were it was like my friends' bodies, but it wasn't them. I was trying to talk to them and plead with them, but it wasn't like I was talking to them. It was like it was this animating spirit of the trip embodying them. And I don't think it was like, oh, it wasn't, don't kill me, don't kill me, don't kill me. It was like, it's happening. You're going to die. And I, trying to prevent it. No, like, what did I do? No, no, I don't want to die. I'm too young to die. And I remember thinking... because I was listening to History of Rome by Mike Duncan at the time, of all the all the men, all the boys, I should say, who were sent to war to die for shit that didn't concern them at all. Like, at all. And they went there and they died, and we never know their name. They're lost to history. They didn't want that. And I had way better lives than they did. What makes you think you're so special? And at, at, once I was finished with that thought process, the image of my two friends loading a shotgun to, to kill me literally evaporated. And I was kind of floating by with the – I'm from Colorado, and there was the front range. And it was like this, this astral plane as African green music played. It was kind of like you passed. You passed. You are mortal. An ego death, if you will. Um, those mushrooms were also penis envy mushrooms, which were very potent, and I didn't know that at the time. But I remember, it, and then I had a bunch of uncomfortable feelings, like I just, I wanted to die, I want this experience to end. And mushrooms, you'll go from being as high as a kite to like not at all in 20 seconds. And that's what happened to me, and I came down and I felt great. I felt great after this. Fantastic. Not like high manic high, but just I felt great. Probably serotonin. And my friends and I, we went, we went, got pancakes, and I had a great day. Later that day, I ended up going up to my cousin's house, and I got to hold her baby, and it was fucking magical. And after that experience, I'm like, I don't know what's happening. What is the this experience that seems to tear at the fabric of who I am. So I did it again. And I heard, because I'd listened to podcasts, that there was a hero's journey. 
which is where you take like five and a half gram. I think I took like five and a half grams, between five and a half and six grams of mushrooms at once. And this was right as COVID kicked in, but before things got like really bad. It was like a, literally, I think, a March 14th, 2020. And it was, again, a magical experience. A lot of uncomfortability as you feel like the fabric of who you are is being torn apart, but it's almost like it's being tested and kneaded into something else. And then I saw, I, I looked in the mirror and I saw myself get old. Um, gray hair, balding, all that. And mushroom trips, I think when, especially when you're doing a dose that is that high. It's not like it's a linear experience. It feels like everything's happening at once and at different points and all together. It's, it, it, it is not a, um, it's a perplexing experience in terms of, I guess, time progression. And I remember as I would see myself get old, it's like a part of me would go off on this other trip and I would see of like one image I saw was, I don't know how I know this, but I knew it. It was kind of like I was looking down at two figures, you know, a lighted corridor. It's just two figures at the end. And it was a, a, a young woman who didn't have a face and uh, and it was it seemed to be appeared to be an Asian woman and an older Asian man and I looked down it and I'm like that's my wife now was it I have no idea but in that moment I'm like oh that's my wife and you're like how do I know that it's like you just know it it's just what it is and that's the, your father-in-law it's what I saw I don't have an explanation for it. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if that's what I wanted. It's what's going to happen. I don't know. But it felt more real than almost any experience I ever had. Not claiming it is real because I don't know. But I think people who've had experiences like that will be like, yeah, I, I get it. can't really explain it. Because then I would go back and I'd see myself a little older. And then I would see like a kid. And the kid was like half of me. It had my face because you're – I learned your brain actually can't create faces, but it was like half Asian. And I'm like, oh, that's my kid. And all throughout this process, I was happy. And after the trip ended and I came down, I realized that the only thing I had to have in life was a family. The rest was like, okay, whatever. That was my first tears journey. It was spectacular. It was amazing. And I often, often after trips, you get this thing called what I don't know if it's, I've heard it called the afterglow effect, where you feel great. It's probably an increase in serotonin from the drugs. Don't know. And I was chasing that feeling because I got that feeling after I did psychedelics, and it was I loved it. I felt great. Um. And that's kind of where, you know, I mean, there were a couple bumpy trips here and there, but nothing crazy. I started to get obsessed with psychedelics. Not to a, maybe to a slightly dangerous degree, nothing too, too crazy. I had to know how, what, 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 what was this? What was, 
these experiences were more fundamental and real and impacting than anything else in my life. And I just took this, this mushroom. And I'd listened to people like Joe Rogan, and I was just starting to get into him at the time. But I was like, what is this? And I, I often referred to his podcast because he would have people at least who would talk about them and had them these experiences. I think a lot of people don't want to do hero's journeys because they're afraid of such events that I've described to you now. That's a good reason to be afraid of them. And I'm not making any recommendations for anybody. I'm not a doctor. I'm glad I did, and I'm going to talk about how these experiences turned sideways very quickly. But I don't regret them do, them happening. I think they were necessary, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it did a lot of things. Like fundamentally now, I view my I used to call myself an atheist. Now I'm agnostic, which is basically, I don't know what the fuck there is. Um, I started to get into more religious-like practices, like just simple stuff like, giving thanks, trying to give thanks. Like I try to make four thankfuls, four things I'm thankful for every day. And then I take seven deep breaths. Just kind of definitely religious-esque practices. Meditating. I got more into stuff like that. And I don't know if it was for a scientific reason of, oh, this, I'm going to do this and this. And there was some of that, but more of it was just a feeling. I had to find out more about these drugs. Because my question was, is, and maybe I should get into this second story before I get into the, that question. So after that, COVID hit, and I decided to grow my own mushrooms. And I did successfully. Sold a lot of them. And at one point, um, I decided again because I thought, oh, I took five grams of mushrooms and it was great before, it will be great again. Because at this point, it was fall of 2020 and I was back at CU and all my friends had left and I was fucking miserably depressed and nothing was the same as it was before and everything was falling apart. And I think I did view mushrooms in a inaccurate sense as this panacea. I said, well, I took them before and they made me feel good, so they'll probably do that again. I didn't know that it's very common for mushrooms to emphasize the state you're in. So if you're in a miserable state, it makes things worse. And that's what happened. I took this, I think it was September 5th, 2020. And I took another like five and a half gram dose. And I went on a little walk around to this field near where I lived. And I remember I was sitting by this tree and it was starting to kick in. And there was a part of me that was like, oh, you fucked up. And I did. I really did. The experience was horrific. It was, I took a fuck ton of mushrooms and it, it was uncomfortable. It was kind of ripping at me. It was making me manic and I was scared and I didn't know what was happening and I lived, I lived with someone else. And so I decided, well, I, I've take a, um, an antipsychotic, well, drug called Seroquel. I've talked about it before. That's antipsychotic-like properties, and I, I take it every night. And I thought if I took it, it would make it the experience go away. But when you're on psychedelics, taking an antipsychotic made things way worse. Because when I took the medicine after about 30 minutes and it had a chance to kick in, I stopped tripping and started to become unbelievably psychotic manic. And it eventually got to the point where 
I realized that if this experience didn't stop, I was going to kill myself to make it stop. And so I had to call 911, and they came to my apartment, and I had to confront my roommate with what was going on, hide the mushrooms I'd grown under my bed, and I had to have people, MPs thankfully, come inside and take me to a hospital that charged my family and ton of money and I'm glad I did it because I know I would have killed myself if that experience didn't stop because it feel like that a lot of my own psychotic tendencies due to having bipolar were not coping with this and so I went to the hospital and I got berated by a ER doctor probably rightfully so I don't like the manner he did it in talked down to me well why? Why would you take psychedelics if you have bipolar? And my answer was, well, I don't know. My life was totally fucked up, and last time I took these, I felt good, and I don't know what else to do. There were other things I could have done. Let's be sure. I was 22. I didn't know, and he was right. He gave me this antipsychotic that makes you feel like shit the next day. I woke up the next morning and was promptly escorted out of the ER with no shoes and I had to get an Uber in my socks uh, back to my apartment which was locked because my roommate locked it. And it was uh, all around horrible, horrible situation. Horrible situation. When I was tripping it was like the fabric of who you are is being strung out and embedded into eternity but at the same time ripped apart it was very uncomfortable and horrific and most people who are sane would stop taking the drugs after that saying they're not for me not me because then my question came okay how can these drugs give me the best experience of my life and the worst experience of my life How? It didn't make sense to me. I had to figure this out, and so I didn't stop experimenting with psychedelics. Um, I stopped experimenting with that amount. I think on Halloween that year, I did another dose, which was also uncomfortable and didn't make me feel good. And I kept on trying to use them as a, a fix. People are like, well, why don't you just take your drugs? I was taking my drugs. I was getting straight A's in school. I was doing my homework. I was working out every day. I was eating a healthy diet. I was doing everything right. Now, I don't think that was the right move, but I think a lot of times with mental illness, doctors are like, well, why would you do that? It's because sometimes life is fucked and your mental illness is like running rampant and there's nothing you can do. It's just like that and... Yeah, I did experiment with drugs, and it was the total wrong move. You were right about that. But I think sometimes with mental illness, people who read in a book, well, psychedelics are, uh, they shouldn't take them, which they shouldn't by just the studies that I've done. Well, why did you do it? It's like, this book says, why you shouldn't do it? Well, one, I'm not a person who tends to listen to people because fuck you. What do you know? You don't know me. That's my personality. And two, like, 
my life is fucked. What else? Like, I was desperate. I was trying to fix something. I made the wrong choice. What would you would have done? I'd like to know. Maybe their answer was not take that, you know, six grams of mushrooms. That's, like, probably a good move. I'll admit that. <laughs> not wise with me, but what was I going to do? It was COVID. There were no answers, and I lost all my friends. I think people, and I, I'm one who does not agree with how we reacted to COVID. It was stupid and dumb, especially after a year of the illness, and we kind of knew what it was. They like, when they hear someone's plight, they don't understand. They want to throw it under the rug. Mine was one of those. Oh, well, why didn't you just do this? You should just done that. You're stupid. Next person. Well, also, they're a doctor. They probably have to take care of other people. But it's more complex than that. What do I do? My psychiatrist didn't know. I was seeing him every day. What do you do? You lost all your friends. Can't go make new ones. It's COVID. You're depressed, and you're doing all the things you should. What do you do? What do you do in that situation? I don't know. I think maybe in this situation, I had to make those mistakes to deal with the consequences to overcome them because I after that the next spring was the hardest spring of my life it tore me apart the depression was the worst the worst I've ever had and in between this time I was doing I'd, I'd had some experiences with LSD but they were never they were always very visual but they weren't like I know as introspective they were more like a good time and saw a bunch of crazy things. I had my own crazy trips on those, which I'm mainly, I guess, focusing mostly on mushrooms. That next summer was very, very hard and I ended up spending, um, it to this day is the hardest thing that ever happened to me. I wanted to kill myself every day, every day. And I was doing 12 hours of homework, um, working out twice a day, seeing my psychiatrist twice a week, going home on the weekends to see the few friends I had left. Um, eating a perfect diet, getting nine hours of sleep a night. I was doing everything you could have done, and I was still unbelievably depressed, which doctors don't like to hear because they're, they want to fix it. It's like, well, if we could fix bipolar depression, we fucking would have by now. But there's not a treatment for it except ketamine, and there's other things. But I think the only true treatment for depression is to force your way out of it, which is unbelievably hard. Well go on that in another episode i want to kind of stick with psychedelics i want to get to the um i guess i had two more later that spring uh or 2021 spring i took again like five and a half grams of mushrooms um at first it was good it kind of was on a sunday morning i was taking a hammock and went on a bike ride and was looking at the trees in boulder and they were moving as if they were alive with the planet and it was very cool and i kind of went on my bike ride and then i kind of went back to my apartment and lied down and in this experience, I really felt connected to everyone. Like, I was everyone, and everyone was me. And if people have done psychedelics, they've had very similar feelings that we're all kind of connected. And this is where the downsides of mushrooms can kind of kick in with a disease like bipolar. Because I, at the time, I kind of, I knew in my brain that evening, and it was, I probably got to my apartment around noon, um... I was going to go 
down to Denver, and I was going to hang out with my brother down in Lakewood. And so I was lying down, and you're tri- I'm tripping very heavily at this point. And part of me subconsciously starts to get up and get dressed. I'm not doing this consciously. Get out my clothes, I get my shit, and I'm tripping balls. This is not conscious, and I get in my car. They're like, oh shit, oh yeah, oh shit. I remember I start to pull out of the driveway, and I had to stop because there's in my apartment. There's two girls crossing, and I stopped, and I was like, well, didn't matter if I hit them because that's me living a different life, and that's how I felt. I felt that it was just me living a different life. And I got in my car and I proceeded to drive from Boulder, Colorado to Lakewood, which is like 20, it's like 30 miles. I was going down the Denver Boulder Turnpike or US 36. And at certain points, I would be in my car and I would be driving and I would look at a car next to me and I would like transfer to their consciousness and drive their car. And then I would die in their body in a car crash and I would respawn in my own car and that happened all the time as I was driving into Denver and I saw in the rear view mountains were like becoming these massive waves it was just entire chaos eventually I get home and I kind of come down and I realize did I just drive 30 miles tripping balls yes I did and I got on my phone to be like oh my god did I cause a crash actually nothing nothing bad happened but that was still horrifying. A horrifying experience. Like, oh, God, that, that wasn't good. I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. Do not trip and drive. Uh, but I wasn't done with psychedelics just yet. Um, and I think any rational person would be like, why do you keep doing this? Why do you keep doing this? Why? Something was tearing at me. I had to know. I felt like these trips were as horrific as they were. I was learning more about myself with them. And I think I was desperate to just prove in the first place that they were good all along. If I'm being honest. And I was just stubborn. When you've lived through enough psychotic episodes, you're like, well, another one? Okay. Um... Eventually, later in that year, I ended up actually going to Salt Lake and living there for the summer. Um, I actually uh, did Molly for the first time there in, uh, actually was in Vegas. Uh, We drove to Vegas from Salt Lake and we saw Elenium's Trilogy. And this is just kind of a side note, but on, we did Molly and it was kind of the same experience. There were, everyone had these wristbands that Elenium, uh, Conjurer had control of so he could change the light on everybody's wristbands with the beat of the music which when you're on Molly is just amazing and that one experience did more to cure my depression than literally anything else now don't recommend you people if you're depressed to go do Molly Um, we need more research on this but it's really hard because things like this don't get experimented on bipolar because they make a manic and I think a lot of doctors who study this are obviously cautious of that because they're good doctors and I think mania scares people who don't have it as it should because it is fucking scary but I think sometimes it scares people like they just they don't get it and 
God, I wish I didn't get it. That would be nice. But I was like, after that, I ended up later that year in December, um, I guess to give context, in over Thanksgiving break, I did a trip with CU to Moab, and it was a very good trip, and I think very fondly of it. Except for after it was over, it turns out that someone on the trip um, had reported me to CU as they were concerned that I was a school shooter. For good reason, I think I kind of said something along the lines of, uh, I understood why school shooters did what they did in the height of my depression. Um... Kind of wrong thing to say, probably. But I was very hurt with what happened. And I had to face those consequences. And I kind of wish, because I'm almost positive I know who on the trip reported me. I kind of wish they just talked to me, because I'm not that person. And it was probably one of the most hurtful things that ever happened to you. I mean, I don't want to go too far into it because that's not the point of this episode, but try to put yourself in the position of someone who's worked their whole life after weekly therapy sessions to not become that person and then to be accused of that person when you know you're not. When you were hurt by circumstances that were outside of your control and the whole time you're told this is for the greater good and you want to kill yourself every single day. And the only reason you don't is because I have a phenomenal family and a fucking one hell of a doctor. But if that person's out there, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I scared you. That wasn't my point. I was trying to bring up – my point was is to emphasize that people can get to these places and it, it just is a matter of your circumstances but people don't like that. They like good guys and bad guys because who wants to be a school shooter? And fair enough. But that really, really cut deep. I didn't realize how deep it cut. Because a month later, I decided to do another like six grams of mushrooms. My last six grams of mushrooms. And it's what's collectively known in my family as the Sombrero Crown Court. Uh, sombrero crown king kind of the same thing and I took the mushrooms and to this day I don't know what I saw I saw myself leading groups of fleeing people into the mountains and tribal warfare in the mountains on end I saw my best friend's dead mom saw my mom and I saw the version of myself that was that school shooter and at the time I think I ran from my bedroom to the bathroom and locked the door. And I felt like part of me was splitting. And I believe the line of good and evil runs down the heart of every man and woman. And 
that night I got to see that part of me that and most people don't want to admit that they have a part of them in them that's evil and for most people I said you're just not looking hard enough I didn't have a choice in this I had to face it it was like facing Shadow Link in Ocarina of Time, this evil version of you that is you but not you. And I remember I was like fighting this version of myself. And I do jiu-jitsu and I know how to hang. And apparently I was just punching bathroom tile. I broke my knuckles bloody. I broke the bathroom, uh, the, the shower door. Um, and I kept on trying to kill this part of myself because I don't want to be a school shooter. I didn't like it. But what I realize is in this, this isn't a very deep psychedelic trip, you actually can't kill the monster inside of you because the monster inside of you is part of you. You need to learn to control it. I think a lot of people don't have to face this part of themselves. They don't either have a mental illness and they just have good life circumstances. I would say that's most people. I'm really happy that's the case for most people because... Facing that part of yourself is hard. In fact, it was probably the hardest thing I did. And when I came to, I was so shocked that I kind of entered a manic state. And I screamed at my family for six hours to hold the f first ever Sombrero Crown Court to determine the Muay Thai champion Sombrero Crown King. And I... It was scary because it was like this part of me was like let loose and I knew it was happening yet I didn't stop it. Eventually my family had to hold me down and shove an antipsychotic up my ass and about two hours later I went to bed. And I had to deal with that. It was hard. It was very hard and I actually think it was almost entirely my fault I created those own demons and I had to deal with them but those comments really 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 hurt they still fucking hurt who wants to be accused of being a school shooter and I don't want to ripe on people because I get people just get scared and they react but think about this if you report someone for being a school shooter and they're not like I wasn't and they am not How do you think that person feels then? You won't even look at them. You're going to go to authority. Because obviously you're scared. You don't want to hurt. You don't want to anger this person. You don't want to make them mad. And you're going to report them. But what happens if they were just having a bad day? How do you think it feels to be accused of being what society would deem the most irredeemable thing of all time when you've worked your whole life to not be that thing? We like to view things in terms of good guys and bad guys all the time, and that's not how shit works. It's usually just people. And I was one of those people, and I got hurt, and it was a consequence of my own actions. I'm not letting that down. But I didn't report me, and that really hurt. It still hurts. That's like a terrible label, and I think people, when they don't understand, they get scared. I understand it, but... It really hurts to be like, oh, we think you're a person who's going to shoot and kill 
his fellow students. That's not me, and I think if you were on the trip with me, I don't think that was me, too. I can be intense and stuff, but this is the reason why I'm intense, or one of the... When you go through this shit all the time, you have to be intense, because if I wasn't intense, it would have killed me. Now, I do acknowledge that I have to alter my behavior and my actions to fit in with society, and most this... In fact, almost the whole situation was entirely my fault. But I went through shit too, okay? And that's the whole thing what frustrated me about the pandemic. I think people who didn't have to deal with f- terrible mental illness problems got through it and they're like, well, why? What's happened? I, well, yeah, I'm happy you did. I'm happy you didn't have to go through literally having your body and soul ripped apart and having to put it back together. After that, the Sombrero Crown Court, I stopped doing psychedelics. I will never do one again. Uh, well, not, eh, sort of in there. Stopped doing mushrooms because I spent the whole next year trying to make DMT, and I did succeed. And I tried it several times on my 24th birthday in August of 2022. I tried it again, uh, and these were just kind of low doses that were, God, that shit, DMT makes you unbelievable. It's... It hit so fast and so hard, and then again, I did it April 1st of 2023, and that was my last psychedelic trip, because in that psychedelic trip, people sometimes say how they meet the DMT elves. I don't know if they were elves. They kind of felt like a force, just a general force, and I don't know how else to put it, but this force kind of said, if you do psychedelics like this again, we're not letting you leave this place. And this place was a realm where everything that possibly could be was infused with the energy of everything is amazing or the energy of mania. And if everything is the best thing that ever was, you are going to fry your brain because it's nothing and it's a form of torture. At the same time, it allowed me to recognize who I am. It's important. allowed me to let go of parts of my ego, and at the same time, recognize the importance of my ego. You shouldn't, you cannot kill your ego. You need to control it. Because if you are, if you don't have an ego, then you're nothing. Ego is just a Latin for I. You have to be something. I am John Henry Wilson. I went through those ego deaths, and I, I got, that guarantee I'll probably have more in life to come. All these experiences psychedelics I'd say majority of them were very horrifying but they did help form me into who I am Um, recognition about so many things I think they were poetic for life I I wanted to feel like the suffering I had in my life was special and it wasn't it's not everyone suffers people suffered way worse than me I actually have a phenomenal life in comparison to everything And I kept doing them because I, it's part of who I am. If someone said, there's no, there's no authorities on this. And that was my frustration. And they're right. They were right. I suffered the consequences. Those trips were uncomfortable and hard. And I think fractured a part of my psyche that will remain fractured till I die. 
not in a bad way, I think in a good way, kind of breaking you down to build your back up sort of waves, what I've kind of been able to make it. But I, I had to know, because everyone who says to not do these things is a doctor, and they haven't seemed to have done them. That was my huge thing. And often doctors are saying this, I want to acknowledge, because there's no studies, and there's studies on the bad effects of them. And I'm the type of person who has to figure it out for myself. I don't like being told this is how it is, especially if it's from someone I don't trust. Oh, don't do psychedelics. Why? Well, because you have bipolar. Well, why? Well, because it, it does bad things. Well, how do you know that? Well, because the literature says so. It's like, well, we're going to live always by the book. We're never going to have some adventures. I mean, come the hell on. And that attitude can get you hurt. It got me hurt. I'm not arguing against it. I guess maybe the whole reason I did this episode was to come to terms with where I'm at with this type of stuff. And to I'm not encouraging anyone to do these things, especially if you have a mental illness, but find things out for yourself. I think that's what psychedelics taught me. They taught me a lot of good lessons, like what makes you think you're so special that you're going to die gloriously? What makes you think you're any better than any other dumbass who got taken out and murdered by another random event? You're not. You're not. You're not shit compared to all that was. But you are something, and you do have your place. And they revealed to me things that, like, I wouldn't trade a single one of these experiences for the world, not a single one of them. As hard as every one of them were, and that last one was really hard. I wouldn't have traded any of them for the world. They were they taught me things I couldn't have learned otherwise. It was very religious and spiritual in a, a deep sense. And I learned more about myself than almost any other situation. I learned more in those situations than almost anything. Made me very comfortable with death. I'm not... As Matthew McConaughey says, I'm not looking forward to death, but I'm not afraid of it. I think it just goes on to something maybe greater. Something goes on. We all move on. We all die. We are in a society that does very much focus on I, 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 I. I am a person of that. I can be very narcissistic at times. As I was kind of with these mushrooms, people said don't to them. They were right. I shouldn't have done them, but I did, and I'm glad I did, because I learned from them. I became, decided to overcome them, to become more, um, and to go out and find shit out, to take a, to take a jump into this realm or whatever. A lot of people don't want to do that, because it does take a part of you, but like that part of me that was allowed to force this very violent, angry part of myself was allowed me to integrate this part of myself. People want to burn that part of themselves out, and that's dumb. Why do you want to burn that part of yourself out? Well, because it's evil. It's like, well, what do you happen when actual evil comes to your door? What are you going to do? There's a reason you should be a – Jordan Peterson often says you should be a monster and learn how to control it because it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. And I have bipolar. I am subject to these experiences in a way most people are not. And I'm grateful that most people can enjoy these drugs without it. But I would say that my experiences with bipolar, it helped me deal with it, accept it more, accept who I was, accept and love who I was, be okay with that. Um, 
and to be happy with who I am. I'm I'm happy that I still am a stubborn son of a bitch. I don't get people who want to capitulate. I don't. I don't. I don't. Why? Why? Because you think, and this is what definitely psychedelics, it reinforced in me is like, just like institutions, not, they're all bad. I work for the government. I work for the Department of Health and Environment. But they're, they're, they're organizations run by people, and I think a lot of times people are afraid to face the reality of existence, and they want to have a big brother to come and protect them. I don't want that. Obviously, I do want I'm, people, well, you don't want the help of government in any situation. No, of course, you have to, the government's necessary, but I don't trust them after. It's one thing that it's, I've had some discussions and arguments within my own family. I don't trust the government for shit after COVID, like jack shit at all. I mean, certain things, <laughs> at all. But when they come out with these new policies, if they what, what they want to do, and if we just give it to the government, why? Why? Why do we want someone to take care of it so we can all be okay? And maybe I do have bipolar, and I've realized I'm not okay. And I am okay in most sense, but I got a mental illness that's going to bounce back and forth and fuck me <sighs> at least several times more before I leave this existence. And I'd rather try to utilize the help of said government without having them take care of everything. I think mushrooms helped me accept my own mortality. It helped shriek my ego. I mean, I am a mortal human. I will die one day and I can accept that. I don't have to like it, but I can accept it. I think there's so many people... And I realized this in, uh, I recently watched Mike Berbaglia's comedy special. He was so afraid of dying. And after you've done a lot of psychedelics, afraid, I don't want to die, but afraid to talk about it? Why? I think we have an irrational fear in America of death. We don't do a very good job of discussing it. And I think part of it is because we emphasize so much of what we can get in life. And that's important to, to take care of those things in life. And I think maybe religion did this for a while and then they kind of got the same shit that has gotten governments is power. Power corrupts and the absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I think individuals should learn how to take care of themselves and work with communities to take care of themselves instead of always having to rely on Big Brother. And what scares me more than anything is that it seems like people want that. They want to be taken care of. They want to be safe. And maybe that is true. I, I, in fact, I'm pretty sure it is that most people would want to be safe rather than free. <sighs> That's not me. I think maybe I like what Psychedelic showed me. Is, there's a line from Dune, Paul Atreides, eventually in the Spoiler alert, third book comes back as the speaker and he has a line, abandon certainty, embrace the unknown. Prep for it from we can, but embrace it with open arms. Because if you know exactly what's happening, you won't actually like that. No one does. And that's what basically in the third, fourth Dune book in God Emperor, 
Leto II shows. He becomes the tyrant and rules over the whole universe as a tyrant. And everyone's freedoms are severely limited. And no one is incredible. They're all a bunch of peasants. That's what safety is. To be in safe mediocrity, why not make some risks? That doesn't mean that you need to risk everything you have all the time, that you're always going to lose it and die. But, oh, come on. Get out there. Maybe this whole story, because like I said, I opened this episode talking about how if you... Shit. <laughs> talking for an hour. If you, I told you, if you have bipolar, you probably should not approach psychedelics. I'm not telling you, I'm basically telling you what the scientific literature says. Don't approach them. And these are on my own mistakes I've bared before you. But I'm mainly saying that because I don't even don't know the rules. I'm just trying to let people know that I'm not an official source of information. This is my own personal experiences. But in my own personal opinion, if you are someone with that and you do want to try, I'll say this. Go low. Do not go very high. Very high is going to give you incidences like I've run into when I'm talking like one or two grams. Don't go beyond that. Or do a method like the Burt Kreischer method. Take a gram. Wait half an hour. If you like it, take the other half. I tend to have two modes on and off, 100% or not at all. And I've gotten burned because of that. But it was part of my journey, and that's who I am. And I hope people can use these in an awesome way to find their own, and they are. There's a ton of mushroom clinics. There's more studies with these psychedelics. I'm really, really hopeful, and I hope to be a part of um, stuff like this. But I want to maybe I learn from my own experiences. And sometimes having bad experiences and learning from them are not a bad thing. How else are you supposed to grow up? Have an adventure. Learn to embrace things. I think one thing I realized from psychedelics as a feeling I got when I was on them was I had a feeling I was never going to die. And I guess it's maybe a feeling that given someone with severe depression, like the fact that I could never die horrifies me. I would let me end. I go through enough suffering with this as I, I don't want to live forever. And that feeling of living forever, it's horrifying. It's never, never. Think about that. Never. We live a hundred years. Never, never. Humans have been around for 300,000 years, let's just say. Never. So you're going to be around longer than humans have even existed. That sounds more to me like a curse than a blessing. And maybe I can't, one can not fully understand that until they have done these experiences. But after they would end, I remember being grateful for death. Grateful that there's an end. Now, it sucks because you don't get to choose when it happens. I'll be honest about that. You're like, fuck, I want to family had kids and I want it to work perfectly and none of that's happening right now and I want it to happen forever yeah well can't control everything and you ain't shit be happy for your death your death gives life meaning it's often said all the time and I don't think people fully understand what it says if you never died why do anything you're gonna do everything eventually 
and it's coming from someone with severe mental illness, they're like, well, if you live forever, you wouldn't have your mental illness. I'm like, who the fuck is that person then? I think the psychedelics represent this unknown, and maybe they will for a while. I hear they're mapping out the DMT realm, which is super interesting. Um, and sometimes you got to figure out you, and I did. These situations did figure it out. I did figure out that I, like, I have a shrine in my room where I have the... I guess hoodie garment of that I was wearing during the sombrero crown court and I didn't wear anything else like I was buck naked under that running around screaming at my family it was not good but I keep it here because I conquered that version of myself and he will never come back again and by conquering it the reason I keep it in my room is because if I need that power or that ability to be a monster in situations, I'm glad it's here. It's been kind of a somber episode, and I've gone on for a very long time, an hour. Um, but I do hope to do more episodes like this, where I'm just trying to talk about something in relation to mental health. It's not an exact science. In fact, I'm really just talking. Um, but I hope that someone can find it helpful. Um, Anyway, uh, until next time.